Welcome to Redefiners, a podcast designed for daring leaders who are changing what it means to lead in today's increasingly complex world. I'm Nanas Motoshami, a leadership advisor at Russell Reynolds Associates. And I'm Clark Murphy, the former chief executive and also a leadership advisor. Nanas and I have spent our careers exploring what works and what's next in the realm of leadership. In each episode, we ask our guests deep and provocative questions about how they've challenged the norms and how they've redefined their organizations and ultimately themselves as leaders. Also, you can answer this one question. How are you redefining your leadership? Perhaps the boldest question yet. Conversations that matter. Inspiration for us all, whether you're kicking off your career or crafting your legacy. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the mid-season review of Redefiners. I find it hard to believe we're already halfway through this season, and what an amazing season it has been. We've had some incredible conversations in a period filled with change, with challenges, and a good bit of global uncertainty. One thing hasn't changed, though, which is the power of an individual to redefine their organization, their industry, their communities, and sometimes the world. It's not always easy. It can happen in many unexpected ways, but these moments of change, of transformation, inspire us to continue to learn and to grow in our own careers. So without further delay, let's get to it. Our conversations this year focused on a number of topics and themes, including culture, sustainability, the evolution of boards, tech transformation. And throughout all of our guest conversations, the common thread of leadership emerges consistently. Leadership to challenge traditional norms and culture. Leadership to adapt to a changing world, to create more inclusivity and equal opportunities. Leadership to redefine the future of work. Leadership to better sustain our planet. And leadership to inspire all of us to care for our fellow humans. Looking back at our guests this season, so many moments continue to resonate with me over the past couple of months. I'm going to highlight some of them, but you can always listen to the full Redefiners episode if you want to go a little deeper. But let's start with culture, purpose, and values as those are really the foundation upon which every successful organization is built. The idea of purpose is so critical, especially in this future of work when people are working remotely more often and talent is so difficult to find and retain. People want to know what they're doing in their jobs matter to the broader organization, matter to their communities, and matter to this changing economy. They want to know their work is having an impact, and they want to work with colleagues and for managers who share the same values. We talked about two different types of culture over the course of our episodes. The first was organizational culture in business, and the second was culture in the arts. CEO of Axe Insurance, Thomas Burble, talked about some of the first changes he made when he became CEO. Culture for me is the glue that keeps an organization together. And AXA, by its history, is a very decentralized company. And one of my first decisions was to make it even more decentralized and say, look, if we have strong local operators, give them the power, give them the trust, because we employ them to do good. So that was one of the first decisions to empower and to simplify but also to make sure that we are working along the same values. Because certainly in a very uncertain time, when things are foggy, you don't know what to do next by definition. And that's why my mantra is just follow your guts. It means following your values, following your principles. Do not look back what your predecessors have done and try and copy them. Be yourself. You will find the right answer. Thomas's point about trusting your gut and intuition is so critical for leaders today, especially navigating so much change in the world right now. 
Speaking for myself, having followed a CEO, don't try and copy your predecessors. His point was very clear to be yourself and find your own path. It's so important to put your own mark on your role as a leader and not compare yourself to someone else who had the role before you. Culture can also be defined in relation to the arts. Henry Timms, president of Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts in New York City, had several insights about the power of the arts for renewal and connection in a complex, noisy world. The arts are fundamental to how we navigate our humanity, who we are as human beings. You know, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all stuck inside and we were all keeping away from our neighbors and we were, you know, cleaning the foods that came in our house and we were keeping every part of us was about distance, right? Distance from each other, distance from the outside world. And at seven o'clock each evening was the only time each day that didn't happen. There was this one moment at seven o'clock each evening in New York, and it happened in cities around the world where people opened up their windows okay. and they got saucepans and they got whisks and they got spoons. And if you had a trumpet, you got your trumpet. And there was this moment where everyone created music together, right? Do you remember? Every time you're having a moment of real deep human experience, you will turn to a song, you will turn to a poem, you will turn to a piece of music because you run out of words, right? It, you run out of logic. You're looking for something to explain why this all matters that is more than the daily experience. What struck me most about that conversation with Henry was the reminder that during some of the greatest deep human experiences, whether it's joy or grief or uncertainty, we turn to music and literature and the arts to give us solace, to give us inspiration in those moments. A core part of culture is diversity, which is also a top issue for leaders today, as you well know. Studies have shown time and again that diversity makes a company stronger. Stockholder value, productivity, innovation, and profits all increase, proving it's not just the right thing to do, it's good for business. But it's not just enough for CEOs and boards to mandate diversity. They need to walk the talk to ensure diversity both on leadership teams and in the boardroom, because that's what's going to be modeled throughout the organization. It's another example of actions speaking louder than words. Several of our guests have been incredibly passionate on this topic, and we'll start with Song Lee, the CEO of Carlisle. To me, it's not an either or. It's not about, well, are you driving for financial return or are you driving for great ESG outcomes? The fact of the matter is, in order to perform well, hmm. you have to have a terrific ESG mindset. And it's more cultural, and it's not an either or, it's an and. And what I mean by that is, so when we make an investment into a company, we're doing everything we can to enable it to perform better, drive revenues, new markets, new products, improve costs. But our research has shown those with diverse boards, their earnings grow 12% faster than those portfolio companies without diverse boards. Why wouldn't we bring more diversity to that portfolio company? Because it shows there's been better performance. I've known Q for many years, and I know how committed he is to diversity at Carlisle. It shows both in their culture and in their financial performance. Also, former Jamba Juice CEO James D. White had a similar message. As a black CEO, James shared his personal experience with racism and how he's changing the system in his companies to create a level playing field when it comes to advancement. One of the things that I talk about often is th there is a tendency for people to ask black executives to prove it again. And as I've grown in my career and can affect that environment for others, that's one of the things that has, you know, really moved me passionately down this path of trying to create a more equitable environment so people that are following me don't have to prove it again. 
some powerful insights from James about diversity being the accelerator for innovation and performance. Another area of performance we talked about this season was financial performance when it comes to gender pay and personal wealth. Our conversation with LFS CEO Sally Krawcheck was incredibly eye-opening on this topic. Sally's a passionate leader, an admitted contrarian, who's working to close not just the gender pay gap, but more importantly, the gender wealth gap. And she's got some shocking statistics to share when it comes to women and investing. What's interesting is there was progress on the pay gap and it was slow. And it was way too slow for women of color. For white women, we were years away from parity. Black women are 100 plus years and Latinx women 200 plus years away from parity. The problem that we're really focused on is the gender wealth gap, how much she has versus a man, is 32 cents. So she makes 84 cents, but she only keeps 32. And if she's a black woman, it's only a penny. Would you believe that was going backwards even before the pandemic? And the reason is, if we go back to Business School 101, the power of investment compounding, which has increased the racial wealth gap, the gender wealth gap. In fact, this is going to sound surprising, but but after a moment won't be. Black millennial women have less wealth today than the generation before them had at the same age. Wow. Wow. And you think about these young women who are, who are just making it happen, but with student loan debt, et cetera, they actually are worse off. We are going backwards. The gender wealth gap is clearly an issue we need to solve quickly to ensure that all women have the opportunity to secure their own financial future. When we talk about finance and wealth, one may naturally think about power and authority. Former Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard delivered her famous misogyny speech on the floor of Parliament 10 years ago. In that speech, she powerfully fought back against the history of gender double standards and sexist behavior. And many have said that speech probably defined her role as Prime Minister. Julia went on to author a book that was born out of frustration that we weren't seeing enough positive change for women leaders in the world, initially from the lens of politics, but then on to a much broader scale. I would say that the issues in politics are not unique to politics. I think the issues are the same for women who are at the top of business, non-government organisations, civil society, the law, news media, technology, the list goes on. I would say we've got to get away from fixing women, telling women to do things differently and start fixing structures and eradicating stereotypes so that they don't bias or distort decisions. We heard a similar call for change from journalist, author and television broadcaster Marianne Sieghart, who echoed Julia's point about fixing structures and eradicating stereotypes. Marianne also talked about how our biases impact our views on authority and what she calls the authority gap. So the authority gap is the extent to which we're still much more prepared to accord authority to men than to women. And when I say authority, I mean both in terms of expertise and in terms of power and leadership. Clearly, we all have a lot of work to do in terms of diversity, equity and inclusion to remove unconscious bias from our organizations. Diversity is a part of broader ESG strategies within an organization. As we build more diversity to increase innovation, we're going to need all of that creative thinking to tackle another critical issue of our time, which is sustainability. At Russell Reynolds Associates, we've looked deeply at the critical skill of sustainable leadership and what it takes to lead through the climate crisis to find solutions that are good for business and good for the planet. 
In fact, I've written a book that comes out this September where I've interviewed CEOs and sustainable leaders from around the world to go deep in the topic and identify solutions we as leaders can put into motion today. Access CEO Thomas Burble, he had so many insights to share on the episode, it's hard to pick one. But I think his telling of one of the early decisions he made as a CEO is a great example of how companies need to look past short-term gains to achieve more holistic long-term sustainability. So we had this realization early on, and it was one of my first decisions. Before I took the CEO job, I was also responsible for the health business. Mm -hmm. And what was bizarre to see is that on the one hand, an investment in coal at the time had a very good return. But on the other hand, we had sufferings of our patients in health, suffering from cancers and so on. We had large enterprises being hit by floods and so on on the natural catastrophe side. So we said, look, this makes no sense. We can't earn a bit more and then have massive destruction and also suffering in society from it. So we decided, look, it's good for us to get out of there. And we were the first ones at the time to decide we went out of coal. Mm -hmm. We then went out of tobacco and so on, and we aligned our portfolio to the 1.5 degree scenario, which meant that the very bad industries we got out mm -hmm. and everybody else that had a chance to transition, we want to help and accompany them. And beyond that, we all said to ourselves, look, it's not enough if we do it. Mm -hmm. We need to entice our colleagues to do it. And so we've built what's called the Net Zero Insurance Alliance mm -hmm. quite recently, which is to say, look, investment and underwriting needs to be fully aligned. We need to be doing exactly the same for the service of the environment. And we need to bring all our competitors together to agree on principles to do the same. Because we can only be strong as an industry if we are together, not if we are just alone. Thomas has a terrific point about sustainability not being one organization or government's job. It will take all of us to come together under a common goal. Another area that requires organizations to come together is transformation. Although digital transformation of infrastructure and processes was already happening, the pandemic forced many organizations to accelerate the pace of change, accomplishing in just a few months what previously had taken several years. Technology is the oil that's driving the engine of business, and there's no sign of that slowing down. In fact, technology continues to accelerate not just business transformation, but how we live and how we work. A great example of this comes from former CEO of GoPay, Aldi Haria Pertomo. Aldi used technology and personal relationships to scale his fintech company and provide low-income families in Indonesia with better access to goods and services. If you want Indonesian merchants to have access to fintech, the first thing you have to do is lower the cost to get in the system. And every device costs maybe like $200 roughly at the time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to replace that with QR. And then, you know, I told my team... You know, we want to grow, right? And we want to get to like a million transactions by the end of the year. You're nuts. Who grows a thousand X in a year, right? Mm. But, we, you know, obviously we made a plan. And, and actually, honestly, my team just amazingly blew it off. We actually exceeded a million transactions a day by December. Okay, think about it. A million transactions a day. It's a perfect example of how tech transformation is changing not just the fintech industry, but people's lives. Another industry that's going through rapid change due to technology is the media business. More than 80% of Americans use digital services to get at least some of their news information, and that's probably true around the world. It's more exaggerated when you look at the younger generations, with almost half of all 18 to 29-year-old Americans getting their news primarily from social media. We talked about the current state of media, people's trust in the media, and the battle over disinformation on social media 
with legendary 60 Minutes journalist Leslie Stahl. She certainly has some experience in this area covering some of the world's biggest news and events over the last five decades. Too many people are believing what they're reading from from sites and from blogs and from social media and whatever, getting information that hasn't been checked, that hasn't been vetted. They're just believing it. They're buying it. And even worse, they're just going to the place that they know agrees with them. And it is a painful mm. uh, moment to think that the public doesn't trust us. Uh, this democracy needs us. We're cleansing. We're the cleansing agent. Uh, we keep the country from falling into corruption. I think if you just came over to 60 Minutes and just were a fly on the wall for a day, Hmm. And you would see how committed everybody is. And all, you know, the layers of checks and, and the fact checking that goes on, you, I know you would be impressed. It's a mission. Taking Leslie's advice, we could all do ourselves a service by simply being more aware of where our news and information comes from. We may not agree with everything we read or view, but seeing both sides of an argument is a critical aspect of leadership in making better decisions. Listen, think, decide. Almost all of our guests also shared some of the most impactful career advice they received or figured out in hindsight looking at their own careers. I think these are the most compelling moments of Redefiners. As you listen to Redefiners to navigate your career path, we thought it might be helpful to compile some of the best pieces of advice we've heard this season. We kick off with Q Song Lee talking about the importance of resilience and agility. There are no shortcuts. Yeah. There are moments in time. There are moments in time when, like the past five, ten years, liquidity has made a lot of things easy. Well, I think we're in a new era now where, where it may not be as easy. There are no shortcuts. You know, you have to do the hard work. And, you know, you have to go with the flow a little bit and tolerate some ambiguity and, and, and keep going because it's never precise and it's never clearly going to be laid out. Related to that, I think the last thing I would tell people, and one of the pieces of advice I always give our new associates is um, be a real person. So many of them are so career-minded and just want to succeed and they're hungry and they want to work so hard. They forget that part of succeeding in business and in your career is also having a real personality and a real persona above and beyond work life to make you an interesting person. As someone who's been through a few challenging moments in her career, which she discusses in detail, Sally Krawcheck knows a lot about coming back from major setbacks. So every time I get fired, I give myself a good 24-hour pity party. And, you know, and I've been fortunate enough in the positions that I've been let go from that I've managed 20,000 people, 30, 40,000 people, and people are kind. And so in come the emails, and you just drink and obviously don't shower the next day and, you know, just let it sort of wash over you. And then the next day is when you say, okay, you had your 24 hours time to pick it up. We at Russell Reynolds Associates know the importance of continuous learning and being open to new ideas. Thomas Burble is one of those. And he had some great advice for us here. You need to talk to people, talk to people, talk to people. Mm. Life is a mosaic. Go to people you expect nothing from you will only be surprised. And so this is what I'm doing today. Every day, I'm meeting people that I haven't met before. And this is true internally inside the company, but also outside the company. 
and I come with no agenda mm. and we just talk. But by talking and talking about somebody else's challenges, you learn a lot about yourself. Some great advice from some incredible leaders. Many of our guests on Redefiners may be seen as being at the top of their careers. But at the end of the day, our guests are all people and their stories are all very human stories. They've all had challenges they've had to overcome to get to where they are now and where they're going in the future. Hopefully their stories resonate with you and inspire you as you move through your own career journey. Well, that wraps up the first half of season two of Redefiners. We're grateful to have the opportunity to talk with such incredible leaders and change makers. We've learned from and been inspired by everyone. And we're not done yet. Our second half of season two features more amazing guests and powerful conversations. On behalf of Nanaz and myself, we thank you for listening to Redefiners and for joining us on our journey to explore how global leaders are redefining what it means to lead in today's increasingly complex world. Until next time, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Redefiners. For more dynamic insights from leaders from across industries and around the world, listen to Redefiners wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more or get in contact with us, visit our website at russellreynolds.com, find us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter at RA on Leadership. See you next time. Do you have a question on leadership, career development, joining a board, or other topics you'd like to ask one of our consultants? Well, now's your chance. Email us at redefiners at russellreynolds.com for an opportunity to have your question answered on the podcast by one of our experts. We'll see you next time on Redefiners.